Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Back in uh, 2019, I was at a conference in the Isle of Man of a friend, um, a Jonathan's friend and my friend who pastors a church over there, Jonathan Stanfield, and Warwick and I were at a conference out there and Jonathan spoke at the conference. And um, this doesn't always happen to me, but it happened to me there. There was a kindred spirit. I liked what I heard. I felt, I like him. <laughs> And I like what he says, and I like what he stands for, and I would love him to preach an Emmanuel. And uh, I've told this story many times, so if you're bored, just um, you're just going to have to stick it another once. Um, I stalked him the next morning over breakfast, found an empty chair beside him, and uh, we had a coffee, and I invited him to come to Ireland. He said he would love to come to Ireland. And then that thing called COVID, I'm not sure if you remember it, it hit <laughs> and um, wiped that thought and then many other thoughts out for a couple of years. And then the, the thoughts rekindled and we um, reconnected and I invited him to come and here he is. And uh, I'm really excited. I've felt uh, unity of spirit and so has all our people, which has been lovely. We have had a great weekend and a great morning this morning with Jonathan. He's a team with him. Justin's with him, who you're going to meet now. And Jenny's with him, and Kurt is with him. And so the four of them have done an amazing job. They've worked hard this weekend, and uh, we've been delighted to host them and have them. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to them. Justin is going to come first. He's going to speak to you, and then Jonathan will follow suit. Justin, you're most welcome. Let me pray for you as you come. Put your hands together. Welcome these guys. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it never returns void, but it accomplishes that for which you sent it. And tonight is no exception to that, Lord. We just thank you. Thank you for Justin. Pray you bless him as he speaks, and Jonathan as well, that you'd minister to them as you minister through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for your welcome. Thank you, Phil, and uh, thank you, church. It's, it's great to be here. Real privilege. Thank you so much for your warm welcome and for your great hospitality. We have just felt so at home. So as Phil said, my name is Justin. Justin Slade. Not to be confused with those other famous Justins. Justin Time. And Justin Case. And I, I come from Exeter in Devon. And I just want to take now just a few minutes to, to tell you, try to tell you in just a brief moment... My story, my personal testimony of how I encountered the love of Jesus and how he's changed my life forever for good. You'll forgive me getting a bit emotional. <laughs> we're all born into a family. I don't know what your family was like that you were born into. The family that I was born into, by the time I came along, the youngest of four children born to my parents, had suffered not only tremendous grief and pain, 
but also was struggling with real hardship on a daily basis. Grief and pain because my parents, their firstborn child was a son called John. And John choked to death when he was about 16 months old. My dad told me just before he died that it took him over two years before he could even say his name again without breaking down. Couldn't get his name out of his mouth. So deep was the pain and the trauma that he had experienced. And I know that there are people here tonight who have experienced tremendous trauma as well. I want to say this. God knows what you've suffered and he's here to heal you tonight. The next child born to my parents, my brother Ian, who died nearly three years ago now, was born with Down syndrome and he was severely handicapped with that condition. He required 24 hours care every day for the whole of his life. Tremendously hard work looking after and caring for him as he grew. My parents committed to raising him at home and not permitting him to be put into a home and looked after by other people. Then my sister was born, my lovely sister, and then I'm the youngest. And being a boy, believe it or not, I was always doing stuff that was wrong. On a regular basis. And you know, there were times when my my dad, who was a very, very intelligent man, he was a Welshman. He was born in the Rhonda. He was very nationalistic. He was very proud of being Welsh. He had to move because his father couldn't get a job during the 1930s in in the Rhonda Valley on the railways and had to move to Devon. So at seven, my father moved probably with a very thick Welsh accent, from, from the, the Rhonda down to rural Devonshire. It was a culture shock. So my father was a very talented man, a very gifted man academically, very talented. It was a great, in fact, he was playing first team rugby for, for Tiverton Rugby Club, age 16. In fact, even 15, I think he got his first cap. 15-year-old playing first-team rugby. He was a talented player. Very able physically. Very able academically. Very proud of his roots. But that pride and the pain and the trauma that he'd been through gave birth to an incredible deep-seated anger inside. He never expressed this. He never put it into words. But hand on heart, I honestly believe that the anger that was there was because he he probably believed in his heart that it was God that had caused these things to happen in his life. I honestly think that he blamed him for it. So look, I was always doing things that were wrong. And from time to time, you know, he'd tell me off in in a measured way, like a good dad would. And listen, don't get me wrong, he loved me to bits. He loved us all to bits. But there were times when he told me off that it was like 
spears or arrows were coming out of his mouth. It was like a volcano going off. And honestly, it hurt so deeply. It was like a wound going in every time this happened. And so actually, even though I know he loved me, I grew up with this kind of uncertainty. What kind of reaction was I going to get? Did he really love me? Really? Cutting a long story short, listen, I ended up doing all sorts of stuff that was wrong. And it went from one thing to another. It started by starting to steal money from my mother's purse. Ultimately, that led to becoming a per, a, a, basically a shoplifter. I used to swear. By the time I was about 14 or 15, every other word coming out of my mouth when I was outside of the house was a swear word. I started smoking as a probably 9 or 10-year-old. By the time I was, by the time I left home at 16, I was able to go away from home and to study A-levels away at a college. I was smoking 20 a day. I was addicted to nicotine. And because I had a student grant, I was able to drink a lot. I was drinking six, seven, eight pints a night on a regular basis. Everyone said, do all this stuff. You'll have a great time. Honestly, honestly, I was as miserable as sin. Really, all I was doing, I was just trying to mask the pain that was inside here. Even though my parents didn't have a faith in God themselves, because I was quite musical, they sent me to audition to the, to the local parish church choir, and I was a chorister. <laughs> you know, rove, cassock. So for six years, I sang hymns about God. I prayed prayers to God, and I listened to messages about God. But not once, not once did I hear that I could know God personally through Jesus. Not once did I hear the message that I could receive the forgiveness, God's forgiveness for the things that I'd done wrong. Here on Friday night, there was some great music and uh, lots of young people came. And I actually got invited, when I was about 14, to something a bit like that. And I would stay right at the back. Uh, the, the music was great. And somebody shared about Jesus really directly. And they gave an invitation and an opportunity at the end to, to, for people to give their lives to Jesus. Do you know what I did? I ran out the back. Half of me wanted to go forward. The other half was just too ashamed of all the things that I'd done wrong and felt guilty about. But in my second year of A-levels, my best friend who I was sharing a house with, he started going along to a local church that he'd heard about. He'd heard that when people sang and worshipped God, it was like a presence came there. He'd heard that when people prayed there, God answered people's prayers. This, I mean, it just sounded, to me, it sounded unbelievable. But I thought to myself, I've got two choices. I can either continue miserable as I was, or I could go and find out for myself. And so I went along. And the guy who was leading the church, he, invited, he said, oh, you're Justin, are you? He said, I've heard a bit about you from your friend. 
He said, why don't you come around and have a cup of tea and a piece of cake and let's have a chat one day. And I'm ashamed to say, I, I took him up on the offer, but I took him up on the offer on the basis of basically trying to persuade him that he was believing a lot of bunkum. I went round. He listened very graciously, very patiently to me as I shared what I'd been brought up to believe. My father was a government scientist. I'd been brought up to believe essentially in Darwinian evolution, that that was the answer somehow, which of course it isn't. This, this pastor, Stan, very gracious man, listened very graciously to me. And then, after I'd shared and said my piece, he said, Justin, I've heard many people say they believe very similar things to you. Can I just take two minutes to tell you what I've discovered to be the truth? I said, sure. He looked me straight in the eye. He said, Justin, this is the truth. God really loves you. He really loves you. And he knows everything about you. Do you know when he said that? It was like I had this tape going on suddenly of a fast forward of all of the things that I'd done wrong. That apparently God knew all about. That was a scary moment. But then he continued. He said, God knows everything about you. He knows everything you've done. And he still loves you. He loved you so much that he came in person. That's who Jesus is. He said, there's a price to pay for the things that you've done wrong. The price of that, of all those things, is death. But because God loves you so much, Jesus died your death for you. So you don't have to. And so that you can be forgiven. He gave me a New Testament. A bit of the Bible. He gave me a little tract. He said, Justin, I want to challenge you. Take this away. Take it home. He says, if you're serious about finding out about God and finding Jesus for yourself, before you start to read them, pray and ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. Do you know, I didn't even get that far. It was about two nights later. It was two in the morning, February 1984. And my friends had been reading some verses to me that he'd been reading, I think, from the Bible. He got down to... Verse 8 of 1 John chapter 4, it says this, For God is love. And when he read those words, I was filled with God's love. Wave after wave after wave, powerfully flowing through me. It started at 2. It went on the whole of the rest of the night. I knew in an instant that I was forgiven. I knew in an instant that this must be God. And from that moment on, my life has been changed forever for good. And what Jesus did for me, he will do for anyone. He'll do it for you. Bless you. Thank you for listening. Bless you. Thank you. Well, fantastic. Wasn't that great to hear? Tremendous. Guys, let's just pray for a few moments, shall we? Father, we just thank you for your presence with us here tonight. We thank you that you are here by the Holy Spirit. 
We thank you that you love each and every one of us, that you know us by name. And I pray, Father God, that today that you would draw near to every life here, every person sitting here today, draw near to them. I pray that you would meet with those who need a miracle from you in some way, whether it's physical, whether it's in their mental health, whether it's being set free from an addiction. Father God, most of all, I pray that not one person will leave this place without knowing the joy of your forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's fantastic to be with you all here, and uh, thank you for your warm welcome over this weekend. We've just absolutely loved being with you all. Uh, I have the, the joy of, of being both, what can I say, I have English and Irish blood in me. My dad is as English as they come, and my mum was born in Portadown. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's been quite a, quite a thing. Mum was always a warm and bubbly one. And uh, dad was a, uh, you know, an English chartered accountant uh, working in London. <laughs> and what shall we say about that? But anyway, <laughs> tremendous. It's just been a, a huge privilege. And so it's my first time to be uh, here in this, this part of the world and a real joy uh, to be here. I feel so much at home. But you know, um, I, I want to read to us a passage from the scripture that's found in Matthew chapter 16. And I want to just share with you something of the good news of Jesus Christ, how he's changed my life and, and our lives and how he's changing lives all over the world. You may or may not be aware, but more than 300,000 people every day around the world give their lives to Jesus Christ, become Christians and experience his life-changing power, discover him to be more than a religion. Discover him to be more than a sort of set of rules. You know, Jesus Christ did not come to create a Christian religion. He did not come into this world to sort of give us a, a, a Christian self-help program. The Bible is very explicit. Jesus came to save us from our sins. And we've all sinned, every one of us. I was telling the guys this morning that uh, I was in a meeting like this back in England and a number of years ago now, where a friend of mine and I were sharing the preaching. And one night I would preach, the next night he would preach. And he got up when it was his turn, and as he stood up to preach, he was coming to this point that he was trying to make, that we've all sinned and we all need a Savior. And just to make his point, he said, um, you know, everyone in the world has sinned in, in thought, word, or deed, in one way or another. He said, it's very obvious and easy to prove. He said, is there anyone here who's never sinned? In thought, word, or deed, please raise your hand. And you know, everything went quiet for a moment. And suddenly, a guy in his 40s, just trying to be a bit difficult, sitting at the back, raised his hand and said, yes, that would be me. Well, at that moment, my, uh, my preacher friend, he's very quick, he turned and he said, sir, are you honestly telling me, seriously, you've never sinned in thought, word, or deed? He said, absolutely. He said, my goodness. He said, you must be very proud of that. He said, totally. He said, thank you, sir. It's your first sin. I'll see you down the front of the inn. <laughs> but you know the truth about it is, is that we all know we've done things wrong in thought, word, or deed. We all need what the Bible calls a savior, a savior. Actually, the term Christian you don't get that in, in the Bible until Acts chapter 12, when the followers of Jesus are, uh, are in Antioch. They're just, they're living like Jesus. They're loving people like Jesus. They're seeing miracles like Jesus did. Everywhere they go, they live, they love, they heal, they deliver. They, they're ministering to people like Jesus. And it was used as a term of derision 
the people of Antioch just looked at them and said, well, who do they think they are going around acting like little Jesuses? And so they used the term Christian as a term of mockery. But the term stuck, and they were proud to bear the name of Jesus. But actually, the term Christian is a term given by the world to people who follow Jesus. We're not here celebrating religion. We're here celebrating a person, a person who has changed our lives. And everyone who knows him knows what it is to have sins forgiven and the joy of his peace and his love in their lives. It's utterly life-transforming. The whole thing about Jesus, where it really lies is this, who is he? Who is this, this Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I, you know, for me, I, I made an adult recommitment of my life to the Lord when I was in my 20s. I had studied history, and, and for me, the, the big thing was, uh, you know, I'd got to a place in my life where I'd, I'd committed some things I, I, I was ashamed of. I wasn't sure of where I was headed, whether I'd end up in heaven or the other place. Heaven is definitely preferable, and, uh, and I wanted to end up there. But then there were other issues, you know, that I had, I had stood for God at school, but still there had been other issues going on in my life. And suddenly, here I was, and I, I visited the Philippine Islands. And, you know, I, I went over there, and I saw some of the pastors, literally the week before we arrived, had had their, their heads taken off by, uh, by religious terrorists. And at that point, really, when I saw that, and I came back to England... I made a decision. I thought, if I'm really going to follow Jesus Christ, you know, Jesus Christ better be the Son of God. He better be unique. He better be the only way to God. He better be who He says He is, because otherwise, I'm not going to follow someone just for the sake of it being, you know, a nice thing or a religious thing or something that sort of placates your heart. I said, Jesus Christ, I knew enough about Him to know that the statements He made about Himself are utterly unique. I knew from history, do you know there's more evidence that Jesus lived, died, and rose again from the dead than the fact that Napoleon Bonaparte, Alexander the Great, or any of the Caesars even existed? I thought to myself, well, for goodness sake, why would I believe in Napoleon Bonaparte but not in Jesus? Well, there's a simple reason. Napoleon Bonaparte didn't say, repent or you'll perish. (laughs) Alexander the Great didn't say, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. But Jesus did. And the evidence about Jesus was so strong I couldn't deny it. At the end of the day, I I researched all the world religions. I'm from a family of lawyers and and all of that. I knew how to study. I knew how to debate and all of that kind of thing. And I I could pull holes in so much. But every time it came to Jesus, I couldn't pull holes in Jesus. But at the end of the day, I realized, like any relationship, you know when you stand at the altar and you say, I do. I do. You think you really know that person. (laughs) But really, it's a step of faith. And in so many ways, our relationship with God is just the same. It's one thing to know about Jesus Christ. It's another thing entirely to know him. And in Jesus' own words, in John 17, verse 3, he said this, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The word to know in the Greek language in which the New Testament was written doesn't mean to know academically. It doesn't mean that we study a PhD about it. And the Bible says Adam knew his wife Eve. 
doesn't mean that he studied her. It meant that he knew her very personally. In exactly the same way, we can know Jesus Christ personally. It is a relationship with him that's life-changing. And I can remember there in my early 20s asking Christ to come into my life and to save me. My goodness, I wept like a baby. Well, the truth is my wife and I, we got three boys and, and uh, I'm quite familiar what it sounds like when somebody weeps like a baby. But I felt the love of God exactly as Justin experienced. I used to think if I was good, he loved me. If I was naughty, he was out to get me. But I discovered that he loves me because he loves me because he loves me. And he loves you today as well. And he's only a prayer away. If you'll open your heart to him today, then he's going to come into your life and he will change it for the better for time and all eternity. So look, what does the Bible say about Jesus? What did he say about himself? What did God say about him? What did people say about him? What is the truth? Well, let's just read this for a moment. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 18. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Can I just say, by the way, when Jesus referred to this statement, the Son of Man, it was his favorite description of himself. And actually what he's referring to is a passage in Daniel, one of the prophets in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel has an incredible prophetic vision of the end of time when Jesus comes in clouds of glory and every eye will see him. And he said, I looked and I beheld one like the Son of Man. So when Jesus is using this term, he's actually calling himself the soon coming king, the Messiah. And so he says, who do men say that the Son of Man is? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets, all great men, but not the Son of God. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is very personal. I want to ask you tonight, who do you say that Jesus is? The Bible says he's the Savior of the world. But can I ask you tonight, is he your Savior? The Bible says he is the healer. He's the miracle-working God. But is he your healer? The Bible says that all who call on his name will be delivered. We live in a world today that's full of addiction and bondage. Drugs, alcohol, so much immorality and pornography. So many different things that people look to, to fill that hole, that certain emptiness that exists in the heart of humanity that is separated from God. But you know, the Bible says he's the deliverer. Can I ask you tonight, is he your deliverer? Have you experienced what the Bible calls the glorious freedom of the children of God? Well, you can tonight if you haven't thus far. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You know, I've been to Caesarea Philippi several times. It's on the, it's on the coast, on the west coast of Israel. And, uh, you know, so I've been there. I've stood here exactly at this place where this event happened. 
And you know, it's a remarkable thing. You can still see it there today. There is a huge stone pantheon. A pantheon, it's a Latin word that, uh, that the Romans created. Um, and it's really what it is. It's like a huge stone display case. Now, you may have a display case in your home where you display your favorite china or glass or something like that. Well, the Romans, when they overcame a nation, they created around the nation, in different parts of a nation, they created these huge stone display cases where they would stick in those display cases the gods, the idols of the nations that they had conquered. It was the ultimate insult, saying to the people that Rome is more powerful than your gods. Jesus, the perfect communicator, stands there with this pantheon of all the gods of the nations behind him, and he says, who do you say that I am? Jesus Christ is unique. May I say to you, in my own journey to giving my life to him, I examined and saw all the world religions. Do you know something? Jesus Christ made statements about himself that are unique in any and every religion on the face of the planet. He said, I am the way. Not a way, not your way or my way, but I am the way. I am the truth. It's very popular today to hear about your truth or my truth. But actually your truth and my truth will die in the grave with us. How is that going to help anybody? The fact about it is, quite frankly, I don't really care too much about my own opinion. It's going to go when I'm gone. But the thing that will stand at the test of time and eternity, Jesus Christ is the truth. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And then he makes this remarkable statement, no one comes to the Father except by me. What a statement. Do you know, a number of years ago, I was in France and I was sharing the gospel in Paris and I can remember a young Muslim man came up to me and he said to me, you know, John, what you're saying, uh, saying about Jesus Christ, he said, is very similar to Islam. I said, really? I said, please enlighten me. He said, well, you know, Muhammad said, if you truly repent of all of your sins and, and live a better life, he said, then God will forgive all your sins and you can make it to heaven. I said, you know, wow. I said, praise the Lord. That sounds wonderful. I was just kind of wheeling it in a little bit. But I said, you know, there's just one problem with that. He said, what's that? I said, you know, repentance isn't the price of sin. He said, sorry. I said, well, don't you agree with me? Both Islam and Christianity both teach that the price of sin is death. So actually, the truth is, even if you repent from all of your sins and you pay the price you know, uh, for that in the sense that you know, you're trying your better to, to best never to commit those sins again and live a better life and all the rest of it, well, actually, the fact is, even if you do that, unless the price of sin is paid, actually, you're still going to end up in hell. So really, what good is that going to do? He said, go on. I said, well, the point about it is this, is that Muhammad didn't die for you, did he? And in fact, even if he did, it wouldn't have helped because he was born in sin like the rest of us. So I said, actually, you know, and even Muhammad himself didn't claim to give any guarantees of heaven. So I said, so really... There has to be someone who is perfect in every way, not born of Adamic sin, who's just totally pure and perfect, born of a virgin, totally holy, never did anything wrong, and he loves us enough to pay the penalty for our sins, dying in our place as if he had committed our sins so that we could go free as if we had lived his perfect life. I said, you know something? There was only one person who was ever qualified to do that. 
And he paused and he said, who could that be? I said, God, my friend, that's good news for you. God has a son and his name is Jesus. And he died for your sins and mine. He's risen from the dead. And if you'll put your trust in him, he'll forgive all of your sins tonight. You can be sure of heaven. I said, and you can live the rest of your life in peace with God, knowing that you've received a free gift of forgiveness, a relationship that will change your life, both from now and all eternity. I remember he reached up and he took off his skull cap and he said, I want this Savior. And he was gloriously born again there and then. But you know, this is the truth. There is such a Savior. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, that the angel Gabriel came to Joseph and said to him, Do not be afraid to take to yourself Mary to be your wife, for that which is conceived in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Names in the Bible are very significant. Names were given to to speak literally of the prophetic destiny of someone's life. Sometimes when somebody's life was changed, they had an encounter with God and he changed their life. Like Jacob, the name Jacob means deceiver. But when he had an encounter with God, God changed his name to mean Israel, a prince with God. And so names are very significant. All over the world, I've met people with all manner of names. In Africa, names are very significant. Do you know, years ago, the Bishop of Bujumbura in Burundi, his name meant, I will die tomorrow. And because of that, he would never take on any visionary projects, anything new, because he was afraid he was going to die tomorrow. So what was the point of doing anything new? So the thing about it is, and I've met incredible people in Africa. I've met, of course, Abraham and Moses and David and Elijah, and I always say they look great for their age. But... um, But, you know, I've even met Coatin. Can you believe that? I've met Sprite in Africa. It's incredible that someone would call their child by the name of a fizzy drink. But nonetheless, it happens. But Jesus' name is highly significant. It means Savior. He is the Savior. And the Bible says, all who call on his name shall be saved. I can remember one time going into... Um, it was in Partizansky. It's right down a little place that's on right down in the eastern part of Slovakia. And uh, we had finished a day of preaching the gospel on the streets and ministering to people. We came to the end of that day and my interpreter had lost his voice. So that wasn't too good. We didn't speak Slovakian and nobody else around spoke English. Um, but the pastor took us all out for a meal and we sat down to chicken and chips and, and a can of Coke. And I'm just about to tuck into this. I was really hungry and ready for it. And the pastor's phone went. And he talks for a little bit. And then he turns to him and says, John, John. He speaks pidgin English. And he just says, John, John. He said, 13, 13 gypsies. All, uh, sit, no good. Come, you, pray. I looked at the chicken. <laughs> I thought, oh, well, here we go. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I left the chicken. The team were very happy. They got an extra portion. And then off I went with the pastor. And we drove to the next town in, in Partizansky. When I arrived, we went into the school hall. And there were 13 gypsies sitting around there. They were all unwell. Well, I thought, what do I do now? How do I get the gospel over to them? I've got an interpreter who only does pidgin English. And I don't do any Slovakian. 
And so I just had to do a bit of very amateur dramatics. And so I just said to everybody, I, I, I knew that the name for Jesus is, is Yezish. So I just said, I said, uh, I smiled at them all and said, uh, Yezish loves you. Yezish uh, loves you. Yezish uh, died for you. Uh, I thought, what do I do now? <laughs> I said, Yezish. Uh, I said, it rose again for you, for you, for you. And they're all looking at me like this. I thought, Jesus, what do I do? And suddenly the Holy Spirit just said to me, John, do you believe my word? I said, Lord, I do. And he said, it reminded me, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, get them to call on my name. So I just said to them all, I said, you, 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 you. I said, say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus here, Jesus here, pray, Jesus. They all start looking at me and going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then they look up and they go, Jesus, Jesus. Do you know, as they kept saying his name, something changed in the atmosphere in that room. The presence of God came into that room and people started to weep. God started to move in that situation. I remember suddenly I looked around and there was a really big man who was sitting just about 10 feet from me and he was very dark under the skin and he's got blood coming down the side of his mouth. He really looked like something out of a horror clip. And you know, he's a big, very looking aggressive man like this and he just suddenly pointed at me and he said, you. I said, me? He said, you. He says, pray me. I thought I said, whatever you want, sir. You know, I just... <laughs> So I came up to him and I put my hand on him and I laid hands and I start praying for him and I'm praying in tongues. It's a, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about that on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. And I'm praying for him in tongues and praying in the name of Jesus that he would be healed. Now, to be honest with you, it was like laying hands on a brick. Sometimes you pray for people, you really feel God's presence in them. I didn't feel anything, but he clearly was feeling something. He begins sobbing and weeping. And he, he doesn't want me to see him crying. He's a big, tough guy. So he keeps going. But tears are pouring down his face. Anyway, I went round and laid hands on everybody. And then we went home. Well, my wife and I were there together. And uh, we go to bed that night. We get up the next morning to a very excited local pastor. And the local pastor says to me over breakfast, John, John, he said, uh, he said, I've just had a phone call from the, from the other pastor. He said, down at Partizansky, where you went last night. I said, yes, and? He said, well, he said, uh, you may not have been aware that three of the men in that group of 13 were all in the mafia. And he said, the big man with the blood? I said, yes. He said, uh, he's the head man in this whole region of Slovakia in the mafia. I said, all the businessmen fear him. He's murdered. He's threatened people's lives. And in fact, what had happened, he'd been in a fight and someone had stuck a knife into him. It just missed his heart, but he was hemorrhaging. He couldn't go to the hospital because they'd recognize him and call the police. So they called you instead. I thought, oh my. I said, I hope I haven't done anything illegal. <laughs> and they said, don't worry, you only prayed for his healing, you know. And he said, but this is the wonderful news. He said that actually overnight, he said from the moment he prayed and called on Jesus, all the bleeding has stopped. He's been totally healed. But not only that, do you know he hasn't slept a wink all night long? He said he has sobbed all night, sobbed his way through to God as all of that hardness in his heart has melted. 
And he's changed. He's going around. He's going around everywhere, apologizing to people for the things he's done, wanting to make amends. That's true salvation. Jesus, when he comes into our hearts, he changes us. We no longer want to hide all the things that we've done wrong. We want to be forgiven. We want to make changes. Jesus will make a better man of you, a better woman of you. He'll cleanse you on the inside. He'll set you free. He'll enable you to live with an integrity that comes from His life and from His love that comes on the inside of you and makes you brand new. The Bible says, if any man or any woman is in Christ, they are a new creation. All things are passed away and all things are become new. Do you know something? Many, uh, many times I've been into prison sharing the gospel and uh, I don't really have anything here to, to illustrate too much, but I'll take my little notes here to, to illustrate to you. But when I go into prisons and share the gospel there, and as I said this morning, the gospels are some, you know, prisons sorry, are some of the easiest places to share the gospel because everyone knows they've done something wrong. Everyone wants to be forgiven and everyone wants to be free. So it's an easy place to share the gospel. But here's the big thing, is that so many people feel that their life is now indelibly marked by the mistakes they've made in life, by the sins they've committed, the shame that hangs over their head. Sometimes they've just had to keep hardening their hearts to keep doing the same stuff, even though they regret the way that they're living. They feel that they can't break out of it and be made new and changed. But I always love to use this illustration. I say, imagine this is you. And imagine this Bible is Jesus Christ. So when you give your life to the Lord, He takes your life, all of your past, all of your present, and all of your future, and He puts it into Jesus Christ, and He closes the book on your life. And from that moment on, when God looks at your past, He sees Jesus. When He looks at your present, He sees Jesus. And when He looks at your future, He sees Jesus. From the moment you receive Christ as your Savior, your life is irrevocably connected with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And you know what? You may not be able to do something about your history. Only God can do something about that. And believe me, He can. But you can do something tonight about your destiny. As you receive Jesus, He will step into your life and He will make all things brand new. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the Savior. He is the deliverer. He is the healer. He is Lord. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, that God has exalted Jesus to the highest place. He's given him the name which is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you know it was John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement in England, who made this statement. He said, one day when Christ returns, every knee will bow before God, whether you want to or whether you don't. Right now we all have the opportunity of grace. We have the freedom to make a decision. Yes, a decision that has consequences both for life and for eternity. I'm sure we've all lived long enough to experience that there is no such thing in this world as choices without consequences. I'm sure many of us, if you had the chance to live your life again, 
would want to do a few things differently. May I say to you that that's exactly the opportunity Jesus is giving you today. To be what the Bible calls born again. It's not a physical rebirth. It's a spiritual rebirth. Jesus said, unless you are born of of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We all know what it means to be born of water. Our first son, I mean, let me tell you, my, my first son, when he was born, he came so fast, I had to deliver him. I'm glad I used to play rugby because he shot out. (laughs) Wet and slimy as they come out. He was born of water. We're all born of water when our mother's waters break. But the thing is that we need to have another birth, a spiritual birth, where we are born and made alive to God on the inside. You know, any, any one of us who've had children here know this. We don't have to teach our children to do wrong. It all happens very naturally. We train them to do right. But as somebody once said, if you educate a rebel, you just get an educated rebel. <laughs> At the end of the day, we need more than education. We need more than politics. And we certainly need more than religion. If that would change hearts and lives, we would have, done, we would have accomplished it years ago. We need a new life. And that's what Christ comes to give us on the inside. So John Wesley said this, one day every knee will bow before God. You'll either bow in love, adoration, and praise, or you'll bow in shame, but you will bow. I want to ask you today, what will it be for you? At various points during this weekend, I shared the testimony of, you know, George Harrison was one of the Beatles. Many of you will have heard of the Beatles. But George Harrison made this statement in his autobiography. You get to the end of it, and he says this. I've had everything that the world could give me. He said, all the wealth, all the fame, and all the women. But here I am, he said, at the end of my life, and the doc says I've got five minutes left to live, and I'm haunted by the three questions that have followed me all my life. Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Can I say to us tonight that the answer to those three questions is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Him, you discover who you truly are. You discover your life purpose. And not only that, but at the end of the day, you discover exactly where you're going. And you can face death without fear because there's a certainty that comes by the Holy Spirit into your heart that you know you're a child of God. Religion is essentially about men and women trying to make themselves good enough for God. But of course, the price of sin is not good behavior. The price of sin is death. And that's why Christ died for us. He's now risen from the dead. And the Bible says if you believe that and confess that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You have to receive it. And I'm going to bring this message to a close right now and give you the opportunity to make the very best decision that any human being can ever make. And that's the decision to receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life, a relationship with Him, the forgiveness of your sins. 
And then can I just say that, you know, everyone here tonight will make a decision. Not to decide is to decide. Jesus said, if you're not for me, you are against me. There really isn't a middle ground. It doesn't exist. So Jesus is calling you tonight. And as we pray this prayer, you have to do your own repenting. Repentance essentially is a change of mind that then brings about a change of lifestyle, a change of direction. So we turn from sin to God. We have to do our own believing, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, God's son, that he died for our sins and that he rose again from the dead. And we have to do our own confessing to confess that Jesus is Lord. And before we do pray, I need to be absolutely clear with you. I don't want to in any way sell you short. I have to tell you the truth. Jesus himself said, if you confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Everyone that he ever called to himself, he called them publicly. He died publicly. And even after his resurrection, he appeared at one time to up to 500 people physically at the same time. Tonight, he's calling you to respond to him publicly. Can we please, for a few moments, in respect of God, bow our heads and close our eyes and try and forget about the people around you. You may have come with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend or girlfriend. You may have come with your neighbor or a friend who's brought you here. But actually, God intended that you would be here. And at this moment, we're all going to pray a prayer, a prayer that comes straight from the Bible. God delights to honor it. And so as we pray this prayer, Say the words after me, but really make them your own. You need to mean them. You're talking to God, not to me. And so I'll leave a space after every statement I make for you to repeat the words. If it's the first time for you, say them to God and mean them. Christ will come into your life tonight. If you're coming back to the Lord, like the prodigal the Bible talks about, if you're coming back to the Father tonight, pray this prayer also and make it your own. And everyone else, let's pray this prayer to support those who need to for a first time or a recommitment to Christ because we've all been there at one point or another. Let's just close our eyes and pray this to the Lord. Say this with me right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for my sins and rose again from the dead. I believe it. I believe in you that you are the Son of God and the unique Savior of the world. Save me, Jesus. Come and live in my heart. Change me from the inside out. Today I boldly confess that Jesus is Lord. I turn from my sins to follow you and I will love you and serve you as long as I live. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now look, we just need to take a couple more steps here. Remember what Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So we're going to take a, a first step. And the first step is this. I'm going to count down to three. And when I get to the number three, I want you to raise your hand like this. Here in the presence of God, the Lord sees you. 
And by raising your hand, you're saying, yes, I prayed that prayer. I meant it. I'm committing my life to follow Jesus Christ. Are we ready? I'm going to count down to three. When I get to the number three, just raise your hand up high like this. One, two, three. Just do it right now. If that's you, just raise it up high where I can see it. God bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Okay, I've got the light in my eyes here, so it's hard to see. But if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, just raise your hand. God bless you there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. There's a young man at the back there. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you there. Tremendous. Wonderful. Anybody else at the back over there? God bless you, sir. Tremendous. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to wait a couple more moments. Anybody else? I can see back there now. God bless you, madam, over there. Wonderful. Anybody else? Did you pray that prayer? You meant it? You say, yes, I, I meant that prayer. I said it. And I've asked Christ to come into my life. Just join these others and raise your hand quickly right now. Okay. We're going to stand to our feet here in the presence of God. And I'm going to ask for the worship team to come back right now at this moment. So shall we stand together in God's presence? And we're going to take a second step. And the step is this. If you raised your hand or you know that you should have done, I'm going to ask you right now to leave where you're standing or sitting and to come and make your way down to the front right now. Just leave where you're standing or sitting and come and join me right here. I want to pray for you right now. If you raised your hand or that you know that you should have done, don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Listen to your heart right now. Get out from where you are. If you've got, if you've got people either side of you, just ask them to just, just let you come through and they'll make room for you, but just come. Just come right now. Give them a clap as they come and take courage to do this. God bless you. Well done. Well done. Just make your way forward right now. Just make your way forward. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Others here, just come now. If you raise your hand and you know that you should have done, just leave where you are, standing or sitting, and come and join us at the front here now. In Jesus' name. Do you know something I... God bless you, madam. Well done. Well done. I don't do this too often, but I'm going to do this tonight because it's so urgent. Do you know, in this country today, you could go into any graveyard and you can examine the tombstones and you can see somebody the age that you are. Young people, middle-aged people, older people, you may remember a few years back, number of years back, that there was a terrible explosion that took place on the tube down in London. On the 7th of July, a number of years back, my brother is a lawyer who works in London. And on that very day, he was about to step onto to go to work. He had some cases to do in the Royal Courts of Justice. He was about to step onto that very train. And as he did, God spoke to him and said, don't get on that train and he stepped off knowing that as he did so he would likely be in trouble for missing that appointment but God spoke so clearly into his heart he stepped back he was so thankful that he knew the Lord that he heard the voice of God because only a number of steps of stops along the line the explosion happened and many people lost their lives I don't think anyone who went to work that day believed it would be the last day they saw their loved ones. 
but it was. The Bible says it's appointed for man once to die, and then comes the judgment. Where will you stand on that day? I'm going to ask you right now. We're all going to do this for a few moments. We're going to love each other enough to do this. Somebody once loved me enough to do to me what I'm going to ask you to do to each other right now. And it's this. I want us all for a few moments to turn to the person next to you and ask them this question. Are you sure you're forgiven? Are you sure that you're going to heaven? And you know, can I say, it's very, very easy to think of someone like the Mafia Man illustration. That guy and just say, it's obvious that man needed to be saved. But the Bible says we all need to be saved. The worst sin of all is, is pride. Actually, at the back of the book in Revelation, there's actually a list of people who don't make it. And it really is a bit of an unusual list because it seems to be the wrong way round. At the back of the list are the murderers and the adulterers and, and all of that. The people you would think would be at the very front. But actually, at the front, it talks about the cowardly, the unbelieving. Well, let's forget about the cowardly for a moment. What about the unbelieving? Why is unbelief such a heinous sin to God? Well, let me say that God created every human being with the ability to believe. But when we choose to reject the testimony He's given of His Son, it is the ultimate expression of pride in the human heart. It is putting us above God. Everyone in this room tonight needs salvation. Many have it, some don't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask everyone to turn to your neighbor and say, if you're not sure you're forgiven and that you're going to make it to heaven, to come with me down the front, let's go together. Just ask them. If they say, well, I'm not sure or I don't know, say, come with me and let's go together. So right now, let me say, if you can't ask that question, you probably need to be down here yourself. <laughs> so let's take a few moments. Turn to your neighbor around you and just ask them the question, do you need forgiveness? Are you sure you're going to heaven? If they say no, or I'm not sure, say, come with me. Come with me down the front and let's give our lives to Christ today. We'll wait on you and just come. Just come in Jesus' name. God bless you. Well done. Just come and join us right now. Come in the name of Jesus. If you're not sure, just make sure today. Come in Jesus' name. We welcome you warmly. Come to the Lord. God bless you. So anybody else who's coming today? Okay. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Right. I'm going to ask right now. We've got another. We've got one, two, three three guys here and we've got one, two, three, four ladies here. Can I have some of the team please just to come and to pray for these guys? That would be absolutely fantastic. Tremendous. Come forward guys. God bless you. Well done. God bless you. Come right forward. Don't be afraid. God bless you love. God bless you dear. Just come forward. Well done. Well done dear. God bless you. Tremendous. I, I need a couple more ladies over here. Thank you so much. Wonderful. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord.
Guys, I want to say welcome so much into God's family. You know, the church isn't a building, lovely building though it is. The church is, is people who know and love Jesus. And so it's the greatest family that exists. Somebody once said that the church is the only organized, it's not really an organization, it's a family, but it's the only organization that doesn't lose its members by death. How true is that? The fact about it is we are a family, the family of God. It's the best family that exists in the world today. So look, I want to say a warm welcome to God's family. I want to encourage you to talk to the Lord each day. As you talk to the Lord, that's prayer. You don't need to use religious language. He loves to hear your voice. And read His, read his Word, the Bible. God will speak to you through His Word and by the Holy Spirit in your heart. He'll always speak to you in line with His Word. He won't ever tell you to do anything that will harm you or other people. It'll only ever be that which is good and helpful. And last of all, the Bible tells us to get baptized in water. It says, repent, believe, and be baptized. And so I want to encourage you, if you've not yet been baptized by full immersion, as the Bible teaches us, talk to the pastors. They'd love to help you to do that. Let me just pray for you for a few moments. I'm going to hand you over to the folks who come to help you a bit more personally here. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for each one of these precious people responding to you today. Father, we bless them and receive them today as you have received us. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus today, Lord, that you would fill their hearts with your love, with the assurance that their sins are forgiven. Break the power of darkness off them tonight in Jesus' name. I pray that each one of them would leave this place knowing for certain that they are your children and that heaven is their eternal home. Thank you, Lord, that the work you've begun in their life today, that you will carry it on until that final day when they see you face to face. We bless them and thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. I'm going to ask the people who've come forward just to pray for you if they can just take you to a side for a moment here. They want to, to help you here. They've got a few goodies over here to give you to help you to really understand to know what it means to be a child of God. And so they're going to help you over there. They're also going to pray for you. And if you have any particular concerns, please do share with them and let them pray for you. In the meantime, the rest of us here are just going to have a song of worship. And in a few moments, we're going to come into a time where we're going to pray for those who need a miracle in their life. Some of those people will need, some of you will need the Lord to heal you in your mental health. Some people here have struggled over recent months, even with suicidal thoughts or depression. Jesus wants to set you free tonight. People here who want to be free of addictions. Others who need to be healed maybe from arthritis or, or deafness or you've got a problem with your vision. Some may have things like cancer or, or other diseases that you need Jesus to bring healing into your physical condition. Well, in a few moments, we're going to offer prayer for those who need a miracle from Jesus. We'll begin by praying over the crowd and then we'll call people forward also and we will lay hands on those who need a miracle from Jesus because Jesus promised we would lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Guys, let's just worship the Lord together for a few moments. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.